Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today by Evan Mosier. He's the tech innovator, uh, or one of the tech innovators in the Davenport, Iowa schools. Uh, Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple of different things today. But um, first, I want to start with DitchBook. Um, you're kind of one of the originals in DitchBook. Uh, we talked earlier, uh, you referred to yourself as an OG, which I appreciated. Um, <laughs> so one of the OG DitchBook uh, followers. Uh, how did you get involved with that? Uh, just completely by happenstance. I had, had seen the book. I was really kind of getting into the tech coaching role. Uh, and I'd seen Matt's book, and, and I asked for it for Christmas and got it. Um, and then I, I realized at the end of the book, he kind of promoted a Twitter chat. And so I started getting into the Twitter chat that way. And it was such an, a changing experience to me when Matt started to interact with my tweets and reply back to me and just how personable he was. And I was like, I got to keep doing this. And it just kind of has grown from that little seed into something so much bigger. I mean, I consider my teaching career has grown exponentially just by participating in the chats uh, moderating those chats and getting more into this realm of ed tech. And it's brought me closer to, to friends from coast to coast, from north to south to east to west. And um, I, I continue to do it just because I love it. And I love to share what teachers are doing and hear what other teachers are doing in the in the field of ed tech to inspire their students and, you know, make things a little bit more efficient for teachers as well. Yeah. And it's funny you think about what those turning points are in your career where something happens and you're like, wow, that this is the moment, right? Mine was yeah. uh, BLC, the Building Learning Communities in Boston, that conference um, with Alan November. It was just like, I went and I was like, yes, this is speaking to me. You know, like I need to, I need to do, this is what I want to do. Um, yes. It definitely made that change. Now you've made a lot of connections here out in the East Coast through Ditchbook. Yes, yes. Most notably, Raina Friedman um, was also one of the OGs of Ditchbook, if you will. Um, and she and I kind of has have formed a, a close friendship with that. Um, and actually, we presented together at the Flipgrid uh, Student Voice Conference a while back. And Chris Goslin was yeah. also there. Yep. Um, so Chris is a great guy. Um, and it's been so great to have Chris and Raina and a few others actually from that area um, to kind of partner with and connect with and, and grow in my education too. Yeah. What, what would you say is the major thing that you've taken out of the ditch book um, series? Just how easy to implement everything is. It's just a simple change of, um, I guess if you wanted to be technical, you could talk about the Samer model going from just a simple substitution all the way to redefinition. But it's truly like if a teacher does the same kind of lesson that they're used to doing, but just with a different little twist or mm -hmm. a different little bit more flair, the student engagement increases exponentially, yet they're still learning the same material. Right. And I think that's really what's important to, to remember and what I've taken away from it. Yeah. Now, I recently read an article about SAMR that looked at it as as it's not just necessarily like this ladder, like where you reach redefinition and right. then, and then right. you're done. But it's more like a loop now, because uh -huh. once you get up to redefinition, now you've done like Flipgrid used to be redefinition. Like there was nothing like Flipgrid. Um, right. But now Flipgrid is is, you know, it's a common term among educators. You could say, oh, we'll do just do it as a Flipgrid. Now, is Flipgrid now substitution? I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say that it is. No. Right. No, but yeah. but is it now we, we've we've already redefined what the whole thing is. Now we can. Exactly. Now, how do we change it again to get back up? Right. Like uh, it was a real eye opening article for me because I hadn't thought That's long awesome. yeah. into the long term about what Samra looked like. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it's important to it's a great point that you bring up just because when we think of incorporating Flipgrid into a lesson, we think of, well, you're just going to ask a question and the students are going to respond to it with video. But there's so much more that it can do. It can truly be like, I guess, all four levels and complete the loop yeah. of that SAMR model. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, you're going to be presenting at Virtual MassQ in February. Uh, yep. and, and your presentation is titled Google Ahas. Um, what's what's your so before we dive into the presentation what's your number one favorite thing if you want to give a little teaser um so the google ahas is basically just those little tips and tricks you can get from um you know the all of the google tools uh you and i had spoken earlier about the dot new yeah. how life-changing that can be um just simple simply typing docs.new will open up a new google doc because you're already signed into chrome but really, one of my favorite things, especially in Google Slides, is ironically the paint format tool and how that can be applied throughout every slide very easily to carry that format. Okay, so let's talk about that. How are we doing this? Um, so in slides and I think even in drawings, you have what they call the paint format tool. It looks like a little paint roller. And if you single click it and highlight something, it'll change the format to what you would like it to be. So. When you're in a presentation and you want to keep things consistent, a lot of times you want to change it to a specific font. Um, maybe you're doing some cool colors to the size. Maybe you're doing a little bit of, um, you know, underlining or italicizing or something. You don't have to continually do that every single time you create a new slide. If you double click the paint format tool, it takes away from the default font. If you highlight that, it's going to carry that format all the way through to every single slide. So it's a really, really neat and um, efficient tool that saves not only clicks, but time as well. Okay, I see that. It's up in the top left corner under the view. Yep. Under the view menu. Okay, I did not know what that was for. All right, then. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, I, man, the, the, there's always something like gets dropped in and it's kind of there and you never really know. It's kind of like the Mandela effect, right? Like it's yeah. there, there's something there that it just was always there. Uh, but it probably wasn't the the paint format. Okay, it looks like a paint roller, and then you just yep. it, it applies the same. That's great. Yeah, and that can be done. I think actually in docs as well, where you know you maybe have a heading or you have a um, something that you would like to keep consistent, or a section or page break or something that you want to notate that as with as well. Yeah, it's there in paint format right under view and docs too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I, and here's a new one for me. That's perfect. Brandon, this is part of the show where you say, aha. Aha, there it is. Oh, I blew it on the line. I'll have to go back and edit that out, and I'll just do that. Yeah, aha. yeah. Aha. <laughs> I need like a bell or a sound effect or something. Yeah, yeah. Or air horn. Um, oh, just cool. the staples. Like that. that was easy button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The goal horn, right? Um, so, okay. So, docs.new, uh, the paint format button, any other tips and tricks? For the audience um well there will be quite a few shared um as we go through um and and this one's a little bit more intense but the one thing i really like is the the image options that you have in slides um, and drawings as well where you can easily crop an image or mask an image you can add some drop shadowing and even a little bit of a reflection to the mm -hmm. image to make it a little bit um, more pronounced a little bit more prominent than um, you know, than anything that just a sit in a regular image in there. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that I think the image editing tools that they've added there are really impressive. The yeah, for uh, sure. Even like the transparent background stuff. Yes, um, is huge because we used to just go to remove.bg absolutely to pull backgrounds out of stuff, and you can just do it in slides now, which is cool. Because I did a I did a presentation on um, at MassQ last year virtually on, uh, gosh, what was it? Oh, uh, uh, making using Google Slides to do stop motion animation. And a lot of it was like oh, yeah. how to pull the background out of a photo so that you can use it. Um, and now that that tool is built in, it's great. Yep. That's yep. cool. Uh, so you also teach a college course in ed tech at St. Ambrose University. How did that come about? Uh, yeah, it's one of these things that <clears throat> has kind of just fallen into my lap. It was wonderful how it did. Um, so the current dean of the College of Ed, his wife is a former principal in the district where I teach. Um, and she basically had reached out to her colleagues and said, hey, we're looking, you know, to continue to teach this course. It's just kind of always fallen on whoever can pick it up. Does anybody have any ideas? And my name and a wonderful friend of mine, uh, Ben Reller, uh, who's another tech innovator in the district who actually we went to high school and college together as well. Uh, our names came up. And so we were kind of like, you know what, we're just going to partner and do this because neither of us wanted to, you know, do the whole load or kind of be hired over one or the other. We have that close companionship. So we, Ben teaches the Tuesday evening class and I teach the Thursday evening class. And it's just, it's ed tech to prospective teachers. These are students who need this course to get into the College of Ed. Um, but they, it's so awesome to see them because they're students sitting in the class, but they start to think like teachers. And yeah. you can see that transition from the beginning of the class to the end. As you teach them these tools, their mindset when they're given a generic lesson plan starts to think, how can I make this better for students and how can I make this more engaging? So um, it basically just kind of fell into our laps, but I feel that this is something that we can really, really grow on based on the foundation that we've just established. Yeah, and I'm not even sure how many colleges or universities are using a, an ed tech course in, in their teacher prep program, but it got, I mean, I don't know how you couldn't at this point. Absolutely, yep, yep. So when I was a student at the University of Northern Iowa, I did have an ed tech preparatory course that was part of the College of Ed that I had to take, and that's kind of where I fell in love with ed tech to begin with. And then I continued on and actually received the minor um, took a few more courses to do it. So it's wonderful to see that St. Ambrose here locally is picking that up um, and able to kind of offer that to those prospective teachers because really that's where it's going. I yeah, mean, yeah. With, with the way that districts are, are so tech heavy and, and Google Workspace for Education and Microsoft for Education or Apple or anything like that, it's a, an extremely vital part. Yeah, now how do you find working with <laughs> students who are digital natives and teaching them to be teachers using technology versus the teachers you work with on a daily basis who were not digital natives, you know, say people that were, you know, in the second half of their career teaching wise, what sort of similarities and differences do you see? So the major difference that I see between the students in class and the teachers is that it takes the students a lot less time to learn and implement some things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I guess a similarity is that drive to learn. Um, they're getting into education because they certainly want to help students and want to help them grow, they're just not at the point of their career where they have actual students in front of them yet. Mm -hmm. So um, I felt or I feel that I've seen just that similarity of <clears throat> when I go in to help them integrate technology or teach them how to integrate technology, it's just 
they still have that similar mindset of, ah, I see now that I can do this, how can I create this for, you know, a fourth grade art student? Or how can I create this for a high school chemistry student using the same tool? Yeah. So those are a couple of the major, major ones. Um, it's really neat. And I'll just go throw it out since we already mentioned Ditchbook. Matt Miller has a ton of templates of social media like Snapchat and TikTok and that. And I'll tell you what, those college students eat that stuff up. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So would you say what you're doing is more <laughs> the hands-on stuff and less of the pedagogy of like teaching them about Sam or my, like focusing on, so I feel like the teacher prep program, so much of it is philosophical. This seems like it's a bit more hands-on. Is that right? It is. And we do have a lesson <clears throat> um, in the beginning of the, the course kind of structure that teaches them about the SAMR model and the ISTE standards and all of those so they can apply that and have that pedagogical knowledge once they start designing these lessons. But overall, um, it is totally, here's a lesson, here's some tech tools. How do you feel you can incorporate this tech tool to make it better yet apply to this standard? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, I could see, I'm just thinking about my own, <clears throat> my own tech um, education in my undergrad program. So like I'm, it's 2000, 1999 or 2000, and I'm sitting in the classroom <laughs> and the professor takes out the, the projector and it's got the camera on the top of it and it's hooked up to the projector. It's basically a document camera today. Right. And, and I look at yeah. it and I go, yeah. Oh man, this guy's got a color picture that he's put up on the screen. This is unbelievable. Right. Yeah. Like the old Elmo and they're yeah. drawn on it in pencil. Yeah. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. That's, and that's what it was basically. Right. Now, yep. you know, you've got, <laughs> We're, we're teaching kids online face to face. I mean, you and I are doing Google Meet right now um, and yep. you're in Iowa and here I am south of Boston, like, you know, no big deal. Um, right. And it's crazy if we wanted to share screens and things like that, we can do it. I, it and obviously COVID pushed everyone forward very quickly. And there was a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, you had to learn it to survive. Right. Absolutely. You had to learn it to survive. And now we're starting to see sort of everyone's either settled into ed tech or um, we're seeing like this this mass resignation where people are yes. people are really burnt out. Are you guys seeing the same sort of thing in, in your area? Yes. Yes, we are. Um, and it's it's tough. It's tough for teachers everywhere because when COVID happened, so many teachers were forced into using technology and it was like sink or swim. Here we go. Yeah. We're doing this virtually. And many teachers did it. That was what was most impressive yeah, is they yeah. completely overnight transformed the way they were teaching. Um, and not to say that you and I were probably busier than we've ever been during that transition um, to assist, but yep, yep. it's, it's gotten to the point now where students are back in the buildings and they're relearning how to school. Yeah. And so that's taking a lot of pressure on teachers, not to mention we're short staffed. Teachers are covering during preps and all that that goes along with that. It's just one of the, it's, it's a lot more than a donut in the teacher's lounge yeah. nowadays. Yeah. We need to share that, that the teachers, you know, even if we teach them ed tech and how to be a little bit more efficient and save themselves some time, we've reached a critical point in education where we need to show that we appreciate them and have admin that supports. And, and I think we do um, here in our area, but it's just a nationwide issue yeah um that i'm seeing yeah i actually i did a, an episode uh, a couple of episodes ago with joe sanfilippo who's in um i think he's in minnesota and we talked about this toxic positivity right like that there's a, 
you know, the donuts in the teachers, you know, um, you know, donuts in the teachers room in a little note that says like, you know, don't worry about it. You'll make it to Friday, <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff where I'm like, yes. no, you're missing the point. <laughs> like, right. Right. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a good donut, but it's not oh, the yeah. point of what we're trying to do. No, no, the donuts aren't going to solve any problems. They're going to solve my immediate need for chocolate and, you know, uh, that, that sort of stuff. Sugar. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but but again, at the same time, it's like we we don't really know how as administrators, we don't really know how to um, like recognize and 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 work with teachers and say, like, it's OK to not be OK. Uh, Absolutely. We have a hard Absolutely. time. We have a hard time with that. It's really tough. Yes. Yep. Uh, yep. And even as a tech coach and even in our roles where we're we're more of a guide on the side, mm -hmm. we can see it from a different perspective. And and that message of it's OK to not be OK, you know, take time for yourself. Yeah. The grading is still going to be there. The prepping is still going to be there. You know, I mean, kids love Book It. Kids love Kahoot. Yeah. You know, yep. those are easy implementation things that can take up 10 or 15 minutes of a class period just to have a little fun with students. And, you know, heck, when I did that, when I had a class of my own, I'd play with the kids. Yeah. And it added a further element of competitive. Yep. So, yep. Yep. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's things like our code, right, that you can do that Absolutely. the lessons are already there. All you have to do is share the link, right? You just post the link on Classroom yep. and you can find something that's within your curriculum or curriculum adjacent that is going to yep. work for you and the kids are going to have fun and it's a little less stress on you and it's a little less pressure on you and it, it pushes the work back to the kids a little bit, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And, and also talking about fun stuff. Um, you're a big hockey fan. I'm a big hockey fan. Absolutely. Uh, the NHL has a really cool STEM curriculum and it's not like every team has adopted it, but it looks like some of our teams have, I know the Bruins have here in Massachusetts and, and you had found some stuff through the Minnesota wild, though, not a wild fan. Correct. Correct. Go Blackhawks. You're a Hawks fan. Right. And we won't talk about <laughs> 2013, but, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> we, we can talk, we can talk about the NHL STEM program though, if, absolutely, and hopefully yeah. that the NHL will play games again. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, <laughs> crossing our fingers for I know. 2022. Yeah. So yeah, so Everfy, um, if you're familiar with that, has a, a great curriculum. Um, it's it's called Future Goals Hockey Scholar, and it's basically teaching math and science of hockey through STEM and sports activities. So it, it's already generated lessons. There's six of them, and it's kind of creative how they do this. Um, because, and it, again, it's just like you had mentioned before, you know, I always like to use the whole Ronco phrase that set it and forget it type thing. <laughs> yeah. You share the lesson with the students. There's a little bit of front loading and then the students learn and apply and have fun. Yeah. So each lesson kind of progresses as if you would a reg regular hockey game. So lesson one is prepare the surface. Um, and then it moves off to the face off and, you know, the strength and endurance. And then this, this talks about the stick and the goalie pad. So all of those things that you really wouldn't think about if you're sitting there watching a hockey game. I mean, you might, but not to the intensity that you would if you actually get to look at an actual curriculum and figure out the, the science and the physics and all of that, that that plays a part in that. And, you know, you're applying a real world concept of math and science to, you know, being a hockey fan or, or, or some curriculum that Somebody has created because they like us love hockey, yeah. and we're able to, in, you know, connect it to uh, science and math. I'm usually too angry at the referees to think <laughs> about the physics. Usually, because Brad Marchand <laughs> right. has taken a penalty that was borderline, but he's got a reputation. 
So yes, he does. <laughs> but I love the ability. Like, so the town where I work is a huge hockey town, and there are two rinks within a half mile of the school. Um, and the high school team here at the school has has had great success in the state. And um, you know, the, when I drove for my interview here twenty years ago, I drove through the center of town, and there was a sign that said Pembroke Youth Hockey. And I went, I went, whoa, that's interesting. And then I'm driving and, and further and I get closer to the school and I see the double rinks and I go, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> and then I pull up to the parking lot of the school and, you know, the banners and the gym and the whole thing. And it's like uh, it's a big part of Massachusetts and it's a big part of this town. And, and the, the Bruins curriculum has gone a long way with that. The, the NHL STEM curriculum, it's it's a nice way with whether it's part of the curriculum or curriculum adjacent again to include STEM, you know, and look at something the kids know about and they're learning without knowing that they're learning really. Absolutely. And I think that's the most important part about it is if we can incorporate something that the kids are enjoying and engaged in, they have zero clue just how much they're learning. Yeah. And then they can start to, you know, kind of pack away that knowledge. And then all of a sudden they realize by the time it's all said and done, holy cow, you tricked me into learning all this. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good one as a tech coach to bring around to classes, right? Because you get to come in as the tech yes. coach, you come in and you're already like the party guy, right? Like you're bringing the fun stuff right. and you're going to do something yep. cool. Uh, but then to, on top of that, to bring in, you know, to hit the hockey fans in the audience, like that really puts it over the top. Of course, yeah. 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 Um, so are there things, that, is there anything that you're working on personally that you'd love to share? Like, do you have a website? Do you, um, you know, social media, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Twitter is emosier3, E-M-O-S-I-E-R-3. Um, and you're welcome to throw a follow over to that. So each Thursday, um, I do what I call these EdTech tips with emosier. Um, and I send those out to the buildings I support. Uh, so I'm a tech coach at an elementary, a junior high, and a high school. So I send those out to those three. And I also um, post it on social media. Don't know why I picked Thursday. Just so happened to be Thursday morning. Yep. Um, and so every Thursday morning during the school year, I throw out a little newsletter. Um, and there's a Google Aha tip of the week. So I have that at the very bottom. So it could be simple activities like, you know, winter themed activities to do with your class. Here's like five of them with you know, a little bit of a, a blurb about them, or it could be something of, you know, a new tech tool that I'm sharing and different elements of that, parts of that, and how you can integrate that. So the weekly newsletter is there. My Twitter is there. Um, and that's pretty much how you can find me. Yeah. Uh, look at the, I'm looking at the most recent one. This week's EdTech Tips with eMosher provides some activities to take part in over winter break. Absolutely. Excellent. Take time for yourself. Um, both binge on, you know, your Netflix shows and I'm sure my wife has probably already conquered the bin shopping on Amazon. So there's that too. So. <laughs> All right. Well, everybody give Evan a follow on Twitter, emosier3 on Twitter, um, and check out those tech tips on Thursdays. Evan, looking forward very much to your MassQ presentation at Virtual MassQ the first weekend of February, or first week of February, I should say. Uh, Google Ahas, check that out as well. Evan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And a huge shout out, huge thank you to to Raina and Chris and and Kim Zajac, who have all been instrumental in kind of connecting me with MassQ. So I appreciate the opportunity to do this. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the virtual MassQ presentation. Yeah, we're looking forward to having you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ. Here to educate, connect, and inspire. 